0: Greg Norman, the best player in golf in 1986, once again found himself in the lead of an open championship at Turnberry. He had blown two leads earlier in the year and had yet to win a big major championship. After the third round, legendary golfer, Jack Nicklaus came to him in the clubhouse and said, you know, I've watched you in the last couple of majors where you didn't quite get it done and I've seen a flaw repeated. The flaw Jack had spotted was Norman gripping the club too tight. This was causing Norman's ordinarily long, loose and powerful golf swing to become shorter and tighter under pressure, which would cause him to hit wayward shots. So Jack's advice to Norman, he put his hands on my shoulder, Norman says, and he said, Just focus on your grip pressure tomorrow. That's it. Norman went on to win his first major championship by five strokes because he loosened his grip. Some of us live life tight gripped. Especially when it comes to planning out our future, planning out our tomorrow, our, our year, and, and the next five years. Controlling life for us, for, for some of us, is king. And so we plan. Raise your hand if you're the planner in the marriage. One of you is the planner in the marriage. And, and so this sermon is for you just as much as is the plan destroyer in your marriage, <laughs> who's uh, the other person. But we, we plan. We plan tomorrow. We plan this month. We plan this year. And some of us do it meticulously. And when we do it, we build expectations that accompany these plans. And if, if something comes and threatens those plans, what happens? our grip gets ever tighter on those plans. How tight is your grip on tomorrow? Today, James confronts tight grip planning and its pitfalls. And he also gives us a framework through which we ought to plan because we should. But he gives us an understanding of what we need to keep in mind as we plan and how we are to hold our future. Turn to James chapter 4. James, in this section, he comes back to the issue of the wealthier. He's speaking to the wealthy here. And today, he's going to talk about an issue that is prevalent among the wealthy, even though it's an issue for every single one of us that we face. So turn to James chapter four, verse 13. Again, it's better if you read along with us and you know where we are at. You can use your phone, you can use your Bible uh, on your phone, does not matter, encourage you to follow along with us. Look at verse 13. He says, come now you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. The first century was one of great, commercial activity. Uh, Many Jews were what you would call traveling merchants. We today maybe call them salesmen. My father was a traveling salesman growing up. He would travel all over the world. I still have a deep love for honey roasted peanuts because that meant dad was coming home because he would always get off the flight. He would keep the package of honey roasted peanuts and they were a treat. And so honey roasted peanuts meant, hey, dad is back home. So, so I'm very familiar with the traveling merchant, with the traveling salesman. And this is who James addresses today. But as I said before, this issue is one we all face. These merchants had a four part business plan. It's Nothing to scoff at. Time, place, duration, purpose. Everything is planned out. It's a commendable plan. So what's the problem? Now, one would think it's the desire to make profit here for seemingly selfish gain with no regard for the poor in their communities. That may be part of the problem and something we need to guard against as believers, especially those of us in the business sector, But it's something else that irks James. The problem is hinted at with the constant use of future tense indicative verbs. It's just a fancy way of saying the verbs are like this. We will. We will. We will. We will. This will happen. They're claiming to have everything under their control. Time is under their control, today or tomorrow. Location is under their control, whether here or there. Duration is under their control. Their labor and profits are under their control. There are billions of factors at play here. Only one is needed to thwart their plans, but it's all under control. Their grip on tomorrow is tight, which is presumptuous and and prideful. It's prideful for their year-long plans will go accordingly due to their own strength and self-sufficiency and self-confidence. It's presumptuous in that their certainty goes beyond what is right and appropriate in light of two things, life and the sovereignty of God. Look at verse 14. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. Let's say that again. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. He goes, what is your life? And he answers that question. For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Here's the problem with presumptuous, prideful planning life's uncertainty and life's brevity, the transient fleeting nature of life. In regards to the former, you have no control over what tomorrow will bring. Your grip on tomorrow is nothing but an illusion. (laughs) You cannot control every factor of life and things may happen that are beyond your grip. You you could get ill tomorrow. You could lose your job tomorrow. The housing market could crash tomorrow. A pandemic could hit tomorrow. In 2019, we all had big plans, right? We all had big plans for 2020. I'm gonna get this done. I'm gonna go on this vacation. I'm gonna go here and here. I'm gonna make a profit. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna visit my family. Uh, My kids are gonna play these sports and uh, we're gonna participate in these extracurricular activities. This is what's gonna happen in my job. And then as 2020 rolled around, things started happening that were beyond your control. And you started Xing out dates on your calendar. Well, no more no more flag football this year. Nope. Well, no more summer, no more summer sports, summer track. We can't do that. I guess we can't visit our family. I guess we're canceling this vacation to the beach. Presumptuous planning is foolish because we do not know what tomorrow will bring life's uncertain. It's also foolish because of how transient this life is actually is. You're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. That's really uplifting. (laughs) If you run in the cold weather, you know what your breath looks like. It's there one second. And it's gone the very next. James is like you're making year long plans. And you don't even know if you're gonna be here tomorrow. You're making year long plans with such certainty, but death could cut short your life on this earth as quickly as the wind blows away smoke. Presumptuous planning is foolish when faced with the uncertainty of the morrow and the transient nature of life. So, is all planning bad? <laughs> One of the couples may be like, let's burn our calendars! Delete the app! <laughs> no. Planning isn't bad. We're, we're, <laughs> Doug, Greg, and I, on December 7th and 8th, we're going to get an Airbnb, eat some bad food, and we're going to plan out the entire year for Central Bible Church. We're going to plan out events, women's events, men's events. We're going to plan out, I mean, we'll, we'll go as 12 months ahead. We're going to plan out all sorts of different, what we're going to do in the summer, what we're going to teach, what our community groups are going to look like. We're going to plan out the entire year. But, but as we do so, We're gonna adopt a certain disposition. And this is what James says in verse 15. Look at verse 15. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. The solution isn't to stop planning. The solution is to insert this tiny phrase and fix it in your heart and your mind as you plan for the future. If the Lord wills. If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. So as I plan for our future as a church, as I plan for my future as an individual, Verse 15 first forces me to be humbly dependent on God. We are to plan our future humbly dependent on God. God's will is all-encompassing. My life, day by day, is in his hands. I only draw breath Every moment, every second, because God allows that to happen. He wills it. Anything I accomplish this coming year as an individual, as a church, is from the gracious hand of God. We are humbly dependent on God for everything. All our activities and accomplishments individually, corporately this year are in his hands. This is a very different posture from the prideful, self-sufficient planners. What they plan to do will come to fruition because of their own strength apart from God. We are to humbly depend on God's grace for everything. Furthermore, we are to plan our future open-handed. We are to plan our future open-handed. Here, here's just a couple passages about us planning and, and God's sovereignty, his rule and reign and... and How he ordains our days. Proverbs 16, 9. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Proverbs 20, 24. A man's steps are from the Lord. How then can man understand his way? Jeremiah 10, 23. I know, O Lord, that the way of man is not in himself, that it is not in man who walks to direct his steps. Proverbs 19, 21. Many are the plans in the mind of a man. But it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. God is sovereign. He is in control. So we always place our plans under His. Paul, the apostle, knew what it meant to make his plans subservient to to God's will. He says multiple times in Scripture, I'm planning on coming to you. He says to the Ephesians, I'm going to come back to you. I'm, I'm planning on it, it's on the calendar. But then he says, if God wills. God willing. The Puritans loved that phrase. God willing. It's Deo Valenti. God willing. At one time, the Methodists signed their letters with DV, Deo Valenti. God willing. Any sign promoting an event, they'd put at the bottom, DV, Deo Valenti. God willing. Willing. So, hey, we got a potluck this Sunday, God willing. <laughs> Things could change. Things could happen. Now, this shouldn't be some trite saying, we tack on to whatever plans we make. Hey, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this, and then I'll just say, God willing. <laughs> it has to be uh, a stance of our heart Ingrained into our very soul as we plan. We must plan open handed because God may interrupt and shift our plans in unexpected ways. This too is very different from the posture of the presumptuous planners above. Their certainty did not take into account that God's will trumps all. Therefore, I must allow room in my heart and schedule for my king's plan to overrule my plans, whether they be my immediate plans for the future or what I have planned five years from now. Larry, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? I mean, if God wills, I want to be the pastor of Central Bible Church. I want to hopefully in a, in a few years plant another church. Theo Valenti, God willing. And then into old age, I want to I don't want to retire. Like retirement would be death for me. I want to invest in people. I want to invest in the local community. I want to be a part with be a part of what's what's going on. I also want to disciple pastors and encourage them in their walk with Jesus. God willing, if God wills. You know, I want to get to the age of 75. I I want my children to go to college. I want a vacation in the spring. I want to go to the beach. I haven't been to the beach in a very long time. If God wills. I hold all of that with a loose grip because God may have something else for me. My own plans may not reflect God's good purposes. If the Lord wills, it forces us to hold our tomorrow, this year, our entire future with a loose grip, which is very, very, if we're honest, very scary for some of us. I don't know if I can, I can honestly do that. I like the feeling of control. Let me just share one thing with you is the tightness of your grip on the future is directly correlated to the amount of faith you have in God. I'm gonna say that one more time. The tightness of your grip on your future is directly correlated to the amount of faith you have in God. Do you believe God loves you? Do do you really have faith that God loves you? His love for you was demonstrated in sending his son for your sins. God loves you. Do you have faith that God is good, like really good? honestly, ask yourself that question. Do you believe that God loves you? Do you have faith that God is good? Do you believe, here's another question. Do you believe that God is for you? Do you believe that God is for you? That in faith in Christ, there is no condemnation. God has my back. God God is for me. He is my refuge, my rock. Do Do you believe he loves you? Do you believe he's good? Do you believe he's for you? Do you believe his will for your life is sometimes better than your will for your life? Do you believe that his plans are greater? If you do, you will hold tomorrow with a looser grip. If you doubt these things, of, if you doubt his love, if you doubt his, his goodness, his wisdom, if you doubt his plan of, of redemption that's working through your life and in this world, your grip is gonna get tighter and tighter and tighter. I pray as a church, your faith increases day by day so that you may live in humble dependence of God, on God and in, in subservient submission to his will in your life. And just, just one quick, small addendum to this section before, before moving on. A major theme in this book is, is a call to, to works, to demonstrate our, our living faith in Jesus through acts of love. There's hollow faith that's empty, that's hypocritical, that's divisive, that's judgmental, and, and there's living faith in Christ. It's not just intellectual assent. It's a belief and trust in Jesus Christ that moves us to to certain acts of of love. So if life is fleeting (laughs) and transient, should we not seek to be doers of the word, doers of the revealed will of God, doers of the royal law of liberty, as James has called it, absolutely Invite God into all of your planning, including your plans to love others, serve, care for those who are poor and destitute, to make disciples. Do you plan for those things? Furthermore, if life is transient, should we not ask God to help us discern his will in those areas of life where we we aren't certain what to do? You know, God, in this short life, (laughs) where you've Called me to to make disciples and and give you glory and to love and serve others and to carry burdens. Who should I marry? What vocation should I pursue? How would you like me to steward my finances? It's crazy how many of us fail to address God when we're planning out our lives. As you plan with faith, acknowledge in humility, your dependence on him for all things. Furthermore, hold your plans open-handed, making a healthy allowance for his will to be done because to do the opposite is to fall back into presumptuous planning. Look at these last two verses, verse 16. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. As it is now, you merchants are arrogant. They're arrogant and that all they plan is under their control. They're prideful. They lack a healthy reverence for the brevity of life and the the changing nature of reality. Furthermore, absent is a healthy respect for God's sovereignty. And in ignorance, they, they boast in their autonomy apart from God. I don't need anybody to make sure these things happen, which God calls evil. God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Look at verse 17. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him is sin. Interesting verse to tack on to the end here. God desires for us to live a life of humility as we look to our future. Dependent on him for every breath, we are to submit our plans to his will. That's the good in view here. And, and to fail to do it, is sin, which really broadens our understanding of what sin actually is. Some of us are like, I'm not that bad of a person. I didn't I've not kill anybody. I'm not murdered, I've not stolen anything today. You know. But this is all this also tells us that sin isn't just failing, um or, or isn't just doing wrong, it's it's failing to do right. Well, did you love anybody? Did you serve anybody? Were you gracious gracious and generous and and forgiving? If not, that too is the sin of omission. I really want to end this passage with one practical application. (laughs) Your schedule is prop. My schedule looks like a Jackson Pollock painting, man. My wife schedules everything, I try to squeeze in something. Uh, Our schedule is full projects, reports, Christmas shopping. That's another, oh, I love this season. It's so fun. <laughs> chauffeuring kids to practice. I mean, if you have kids that are old, they eat everything and they seem to wear 18 outfits a day. And so we're, we're doing groceries and we're doing laundry all, all of the time. I mean, our schedule is full. I got things to do. I'm a busy person. Loosen your grip up on the day enough to let God's plan override yours. Maybe he wants you to stop and and pray with someone. Do you make allowance for that? Maybe he wants you to give attention to a friend in need who's calling you, who you know the conversation's gonna last for more than 30 minutes. Maybe he wants you to stop and talk to your neighbor who's outside instead of running into your house, hitting the garage button and getting on your phone or on your couch or getting to whatever you need to do. Maybe he wants you to stop so you can share the love of Jesus with them. Maybe he wants you to throw it all out so you can play with your kids and love them. So you can show your wife that you love them and care about them. He simply may be asking you to stop and upending everything on your calendar so that your heart will turn back to him. Allow for divine interruptions in your day. I think so often in, in American culture, we just go, we just go, we just go, we just go, and we miss all of these opportunities to, to love and serve God. I was at Cough. 33 the other day. It's, it's, a, it's a nice coffee restaurant. Uh, I'm trying to give them a plug because if they ever listen, maybe they give me some free coffee <laughs> or something like that. It's a great, wonderful five-star. Um, I was eat, drinking coffee there uh, at a table, working very hard on my sermon. And man, uh, when I work on my sermon, if you, if you know me, if, if I'm stuck, uh, I have a hard time doing anything else. Like, I just, I just want to get it done. I'm worried. So I'm, I'm in that mode. And this guy sits down next to me. And it must be just because I'm a very attractive person and very, very warm. I guess like, like a big teddy bear uh, that, that people open up to me in a coffee shop. I think it's because I dress like I'm a teenager still. And they're like, he doesn't do anything serious. Uh, uh, maybe I can open up to him a little bit. And, and this guy just starts talking to me. He's about my age. And he starts. I I asked him a few questions, like, what do you do? Uh, He opens up, well, I I do this, but I may have to move. And I have a girlfriend right now, and I don't want to get married. And and I've been divorced, and that was really rough. And she really walked away. And I'm like, I I didn't mean to get into this conversation with this guy. Like, this is going to really mess up my day. This is really, in, in my head, the whole time I'm thinking, hey, I'm looking for a break to get out of this conversation so I can get back into doing what I'm supposed to do, which is preach a message. Oh, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> it's to preach a message about making room for God's will in my life. Maybe this is, maybe this is actually one of those times. And so I put my computer to the side and, and I, I, guys, I was stressed doing it, To be honest, it was hard to do that. But I, but I I looked at this man and and I listened and I asked him questions and he started to say, man, I just really got disillusioned with my faith. And I was like, well, do you want to get reillusioned? I don't even know if that's a word. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I got to speak to that, not a ton, but a little bit, tried to give him a little hope and I got to invite him to church. Because I sat in that moment just a little longer than I thought I should. Now, I pray that he comes. I don't know if he will. But I pray that maybe God works through those few seconds. But, but none of that, and, and none of that would have happened with a tight grip. And guys, I am more tight-gripped than I am loose-gripped. I miss more of those opportunities than I honor. And so my hope for you is to grow in faith in your dependence on God. He'll help you get done what you need to get done. I believe He will honor you if you honor that time that you sacrifice to do His will. I don't know if I've met anybody who's ever said, Man, I should have gotten done what I was, was meaning to do. I should have ignored God's will there. Not sure if I've met that person. But I pray that your faith is, is strong enough in that moment. And as you plan out the next five, 10 years of your life, you don't know what tomorrow holds. Life is short. God willing, may you depend on him and may you plan and live life open-handed. Amen? Let's pray.